0: Thank you for listening to The Data is My Science Podcast, the show that makes data your passion with your host, Dapper Data. What's up, what's up, what's up, everybody? You are listening to The Data is My Science Podcast, the show that makes data your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. Today, I have a very special guest on this podcast, okay? I'm bringing you somebody that has created something that will change the game, change the world. I'm telling you right now, I can't wait to introduce this guest. But first, I want to introduce the topic, right? You know, we've talked about programming languages. We've talked about supervised, unsupervised learning, machine learning, you name it. We brought people on the podcast that actually uh, has nothing to do with data science or data related or anything like that. But in a sense, they kind of do because they, they they make decisions day-to-day based off of data, uh, whether it's a, a doctor, right, whether it's a restaurant owner, you name it, right? So we've done some pretty cool things. But let's talk about customer feedback, okay, or what I like to call maybe the voice of the customer and how important that is in guiding and informing decision-making and influencing innovation and changes to your product and services, all right? So when we think about customer feedback, you can get it from anywhere and, and this guest is going to tell you a lot more than I can. But when I think about it, customer feedback, you can get it from surveys. You can get it from focus groups, right? I hate focus groups, by the way, but whatever. <laughs> you can get it from uh, uh, um, user testing um, emails, right? You can get, get it from any, any one of those different avenues. And so I brought a special guest to help discuss the importance of the customer voice and how we use data to really help make some of those decisions, right? Getting feedback from the customer is important. So without further ado, I want to introduce you all to uh, Matt Young. Hey, Matt, tell everybody uh, what's up.
1: Hey, how you all doing?
0: (laughs) So Matt Young is the CEO of UserVoice, the first product feedback and research tool for software companies around the world Matt has started his professional career as a software developer right when web browsers were released. Okay, so he's he's dating himself right there. <laughs>
1: I'm I'm <old. laughs> he, It's okay.
0: <laughs> he, Matt has developed innovative solutions on the web well before SaaS and product management were important terms, you know, that 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 are today. And and so user voice is what we're going to talk about, which is is very important, and you'll see how that makes a great impact on things. Uh, we're and we're also going to talk about the right data to collect from customers to make successful decisions. And, and so without further ado, I want to introduce you all to Matt. Matt, tell them a little bit about yourself.
1: Hey, sure thing, and thank you. Um, yeah, I think uh, even though I'm the CEO of User Voice now, as, as Mr. Data told you, uh, I come from an engineering background and being an engineering leadership, I was never really satisfied with the quality of the information why we were being asked to build the things that we were being asked to build. It's, a big expensive machine to get an engineering team to go off and build a product feature, a new product, make a change, something like that. So when you get asked to do that and you're not really bought in to the research behind it, it doesn't feel very good. So uh, when I had the opportunity to join UserVoice, it was it really struck a note with me because I like the notion of backing uh, the decisions that you make in how to make a product better with actual information that comes straight from the customers who already use it who are going to use it who you're trying to sell it to um, just to make sure you're, you're building the right stuff and making the right decisions so um, eventually i ended up running the company and that's what we're doing today so hopefully you can we can share some tips with you on on how to make the most out of that information that's that's out there floating around in the world
0: yeah thank you thank you matt you know and and I did a lot of research on user voice before the, uh, the podcast, and it is an amazing, amazing product, right? You know, it's an amazing idea. Uh, like you said, supporting those decisions are, are important, right? And that's what data is about, right? Being able to you make a decision, you have the backing, you have something to support it, right? I, I like that. I love it. And uh, so when I, when I looked at user voice, right, it, it mentioned a single centralized product feedback solution that gives you everything you need um, and probably more, right? Tell us a little bit about UserVoice, you know, what is it
1: doing, you know, what's the what's the, uh, the, the idea behind it? Yeah, so it, it, uh, UserVoice got started in 2008 and it was one of the first, like, I, we've all seen plenty of um, places where you get asked for your opinion about this, that is. I mean, I get emailed surveys all day, I get annoying mm-hmm. pop-ups in the software I use <laughs> asking me for feedback and like, okay, that's fine. I never reply to those and, and never respond to them, but it, it doesn't mean I don't have thoughts about how the mm-hmm. products I use could be better. And that's true for most people. So um, user voice is a product that makes sure that uh, if you work at a company that uses user voice, you can listen for what people are saying. They're telling your salespeople in demos mm-hmm. what they like and don't like. They're emailing your support staff, asking them questions about how to get stuff done. When your product managers do interviews, they're hearing straight from customers, what they want, or, you know, the industrious among us will go and share our opinions unsolicited if need be to. So we want to make sure that you can capture all of that, wherever it may show up on your doorstep. It's like golden free information that's there to help you make a better product and build a better business. Uh, and then the product itself can make sure that all that stuff is organized all in the same place queryable, not overwhelming, and it's actually married with data from other systems too. So if, um, if I get feedback from a person and I know they're a customer and I know they're a customer who's paying us a lot and I know that they're a customer who's uh, in the right role for the product that a company sells, I might want to pay a little bit more attention to that than someone who never bought the product. Because they, you know, they, they never saw the value in it, or something like that. Um, so we try to contextualize all the feedback that comes in and just make it a, an accessible research tool. Uh, anytime you're thinking about making a change to a product or figuring out where you're going next.
0: So so that that uh, the data that's coming in is coming in. I'm assuming all different formats. It doesn't matter the format uh, that you get, right? You know, it could be uh, free form as well right mm-hmm. probably uh surveys things like that so you can i mean is, is text mining involved a little bit i mean do they uh, being able to understand emotions and all that stuff behind it <laughs> uh it,
1: oddly it's it's interesting if you if you think about uh areas where people are telling you about your product mm-hmm. most of the time they're not telling you how great it is they're telling you ways mm. that it's efficient right they're they're telling you like I wish it did this, or this is slow, or this is frustrating or something. Most people, it's just not in our nature to go knock on someone's door and say, hey, you're doing a really good job. Um, Ah, right. You you go go (laughs) tell people something that that you want to be better. Uh, So in our case, like sentiment isn't really a useful thing because it's going to be neutral, negative, almost. All the time, and and oh. how does that help you? It doesn't really. It's kind of depressing, actually. Right um, you get through all this stuff, you have to you have to put on your thick layer of skin uh, to read some of this information. Um, but we do uh, try to see, you know, through uh, natural language processing what the themes are that are coming through. People don't express Ooh. the same problem with the same language. They'll they'll say very similar things, but use very different words to do that. And if you're getting a large volume of feedback being able to see, hey, this idea that was expressed, it's it's a lot like that other idea. And do they really solve the same problem? So we try to marry those together to make sure that it's easy to to get through understanding all that information that comes through.
0: Oh man, that's amazing. you know, because uh, uh so many times um I've felt out I've filled out the same uh surveys, right? You get those feet the surveys and the, you know, the interviews that I've done, you know, and they're collecting all this data, right? And now Mm -hmm. when I look at surveys, right, I sometimes, I I mean, now that I'm going through my PhD, as i mentioned to you before, and I'm thinking, man, what's the mechanism of data collection that I want to use, right? You know, I'm sure I can get false information, right? I don't know how you get around uh, (laughs) some of the false information from, like, surveys or people just saying, hey, you know what, screw it, I'm just going to I'm going to fill this out, right, just to go ahead and get the reward at the end, you Uh know, whatever it is, right? You know, so you're collecting all this data. I mean, I guess you're not in the business to uh, probably tell the end user or the person that's working with you whether the data is uh, 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 correct or not, right, or whether they just went through it or not. You're just probably uh, the the central mechanism to say, hey, here's the data we collected you know uh are you cleaning the data throughout the process as well before you give it
1: yeah well we we do try to give people best practices right there's okay uh, it, it can be very misleading like if people are telling you uh the wrong things and you act on it then that's not really a good business decision so we right. we try to do whatever we can to help you uh assess the quality of what people are telling you and and I think this is important in any research that you do like this this is not the singular source of truth for you to act on. It's um, right. <laughs> it's a good place to help you know where to get started. Like, okay, cool. People mm-hmm. are interested in this subject, and it's it's increasing in popularity over the past several weeks. So I should go talk to a handful of people about this problem in a one-on-one interview and, and understand it a little bit better. Um, I'm curious. You s- you said you reply to surveys, and you're thinking about how you do that. Uh, we did a lot of research. Uh, I think we we asked more than a 1,000 users of uh, B2B SaaS software, which is the primary market that we sell to, uh, what causes them to leave feedback or what would motivate them to do so? (laughs) Uh, what, What makes you respond to a survey? What are the things that make you say, yeah, I'll respond to this one, but not that one? I would say
0: I need to be interested in the topic. And there may be a certain level of interest, right? You know, in the topic. And I mean, if you could go from like 1 to 10, I have to be above a 5 for me to even open up an email to, or open up the, uh, yeah. the, the survey or whatever it is to say, hey, look, I'm interested enough to, to, to go through these questions, right? Because I, I really do believe time is viable. And, you know, am I really going to waste time um, to, to go into something I'm not really interested in? Right. And maybe I'm interested in the actual topic or interested in the results that come about, because I know it means something. Uh, Or or I guess when I think about it, in order for me to not, uh, I guess, uh, for lack of better words, kind of BS the topic, right, (laughs) BS, (laughs) Uh you know, go through the process and and just click, 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 I have to be interested in what I believe the results will do. What's gonna happen from it. Yeah, exactly. You know, and even though I don't think that I'm on one person, right, I feel I have to feel important enough I will have to feel like actually my, my, my uh, response will matter. Right. So that's probably the, yeah. the process I will go through and to sum it up. Right.
1: Great question. And that's <laughs> what, what you said is spot on. Like it's common sense, but of course, like you're not going to respond to a survey about something you don't care about. Um, mm-hmm. That fact alone means that if you're using a survey to get feedback about something, the answers that you're going to hear are, predominantly coming from either your fans or people to whom your product is critical. Um, They have to use it or something like that. Uh, The second thing that you said was that you have to know that your feedback is going to matter and that's critical in any survey design and any feedback mechanism whatsoever that you're letting people know what you're going to do with it. Um, We do things like uh, I'm going to invoke one of my, employees names rob he's a product manager we'll put rob's picture on the survey mm-hmm. and say hi i'm rob <laughs> i'm trying to learn about this can you help me um that personalization of the survey inherently mm-hmm. makes you think okay rob's gonna read this he looks like a oh nice person. yeah <laughs> I, want to, I want to help him with it um But it doesn't change the fact that if Rob sends me a survey about something I I just don't care about at all, like, I'm not going to reply to that. It doesn't matter. Um, So, yeah, uh, we learned that the subject matter is important, being very transparent about what you're going to do with the data. um, One thing that we encourage our customers to do is uh, if you're setting up a product feedback mechanism, a lot of product managers get nervous, like, well, they're going to expect us to do anything that they say. Um, right, but it's not practical, right? No company is that big that they can do anything. Mm-hmm. That's also not a smart business decision. So we encourage people to be upfront right. about that. Like, hey, you know, we read all the feedback that you send in. You know, we can't do everything with it, but we're really going to try to understand the problems that you're presenting and how we can help you. That's that's what our motivation is. So you want to make sure that people know, no, you're not wasting your time by sending this. This is not going into like some black hole. That we're going to put aside and read, maybe if we want to, mm-hmm. sometime later. This is really something that we're going to use to shape the future of this product.
0: Yeah, that's important. That reminds me of um, a book called The Nudge Theory. Right?
1: Mm-hmm.
0: And use that- all the time. <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. That's, those are definitely nudges that you would use, and it makes mm-hmm. so much sense to use those nudges in order to influence somebody to to actually, you know, fill out the survey right, fill it out right. Right. Don't, don't yeah. just put in crazy things. Right. You know, uh, just to get a reward or something, because if you do like incentive based surveys or something, you know, they're just going to hurry up and click to click, right. Maybe even fill out something that's text based or something just to get the money. Know, yeah. Just to get the money. Right. And so, you know, it's, man, you know, that's great that you are using all these nudges.
1: Yeah. We, um, you know, we were specifically studying, providing feedback about products and in that context, uh, incentives are very low on the list of motivators for people. Mm-hmm. They really just want a better product, right? Like if, um, ah, think, think of the favorite software products that you use. Mm-hmm. I don't want 10 bucks. I want you to like make it better because I use it every day or, or every week right. or something like that. You know, the, the music player I use or the streaming services that I use, uh, I don't want 10 bucks. I want it to perform. as much as possible. I love (laughs) love music, I listen to it all day. Uh, I want more of that, so I'm happy to help. Uh, You just need to let me know that you're gonna do something with it. Right,
0: right. So that that kind of leads me into um, another question that I had, all right? Uh, When you have a product, okay, you have these new features that you're trying to implement throughout the time, right? Most -hmm. of the time you have an engineering team. For some reason, I don't know what it is, no matter how big the company is, the engineering team, the actual people who are putting in these new features, the latest and greatest—they're smallest crap, right? For some oh, reason, <laughs> and never enough. And, yep. You know, so you have right—it's never enough, right? And so they have to prioritize. They have to figure out, you know, what is more important, right? Is it putting uh, this feature A or is it putting mm-hmm. feature B in there, right? And so, you know, should the customer be driving the product roadmap, right? And I ask this because. You know, I have a story that I could tell. Uh, when working with every company I worked for for the past, you know, maybe ten years, or right? e- EMC, Hitachi, Oracle, and uh, NetApp, right? So within the past fifteen years, I worked for uh, different vendors. And um, when working with the product teams, I believe that the customers did drive the product roadmap, but I do not know if they, if they should, right? You know, in my eyes, because uh, I think about when when working with the customers like Wells Fargo and Walmart and Apple, right? When when I work for these vendors and I'm I'm working and my customers were Wells Fargo and Walmart, um, it was really who spend more money. They were the ones who controlled the features that are added mm-hmm. and how many resources are dedicated, right? They didn't care about you know the the feedback. If they if they're spending the money, then their feedback uh, uh, was probably prioritized at a higher level, right? Oh, yeah. So, what's your yeah. thoughts
1: on that? <laughs> uh, that is not an invalid approach, right? I think the oh. um, uh, I think that customers always need to have a voice in any product. That's a given. But the extent to which it drives the roadmap really depends on what the business's goals are. And it sounds oh. like the the businesses that you were working for were trying to cater towards high-dollar enterprise customers, of which Uh there's only going to be a small number, so pay attention to what they have to say. And if that's what's going to grow the business, going and doing that thing is not a a bad choice, right? It's a decent strategic Mm -hmm. decision to meet the end goal of the business. Most of us don't work in corporations that are large enough to be that fortunate, right, that we have... Mm -hmm. All these customers that are paying us eight or nine figures a year—that um, <laughs> right. so if they ask for something, we're going to go do it. Most of us are are grinding away, you know, earning a hundred dollars here, a thousand dollars there, something like that. And you mm-hmm. probably have a much larger customer base. So, in that case, I think the right answer to that question is is zooming way out. First, you have to make sure that your business has articulated its goals clearly. Is it mm-hmm. landing new customers? Is it upselling your current customer base? Is it breaking into a new market segment, either geographically or or company size or or industry or something like that, Mm -hmm. Um, you need to know that to be able to compare what the potential impact of any feature might be to that goal. Um, Mm -hmm. It's kind of unfair to ask a product <laughs> development team to say, well, here's every idea under the sun, pick the ones that are gonna matter the most. When you can't tell them what the finish line looks like, right, you have to be able wow. to do that. And it doesn't need to say the same finish line forever. It can't change every week or every you know, month even, and at least a quarter or half a year right. or something like that. Um, but I think what we always encourage to do is like, all right, express what your goals are and then use all the feedback that you get to see what the best ideas are that are going to help you reach that goal. If, if you're trying to break into small businesses or something like that, filter all the feedback that you mm-hmm. get by customers who are in small businesses. Do yeah. your interviews with people who are in small businesses. Do your surveys to people who are in small businesses and look at what right. they have to say. Yeah. You need to segment it in order to, to get the right answer to that question. No, that's a great point. You know, uh,
0: making sure that you're catering towards your goals at the end of the day. You know, yeah. that's that's what really matters. And I even thought about when you said segmenting, right? You have all these email uh, um, aliases that you have, right? You have all these emails. Uh, you're, if you're trying to set out mass distribution to everybody, right? Mm-hmm. That that may be a no-no, right? You have millions and millions of emails or thousands of emails, right? What you, I guess, what you want to do is categorize them, right? And and if you're focusing in on getting feedback from from surveys, from specific, maybe small businesses, then you're going to send them only to the small businesses, right? You know, mm-hmm. you're not going to send them to everybody in the world because it could probably skew the results too, right? If they're giving oh, totally. uh, yep. the data, right?
1: Oh, it's, man. Uh, <laughs> yeah, it's, it's common for, for companies to say something like, what do our customers want? But most people have a customer base that's large enough that it's not that simple. Like to, to look at the customer base holistically, um, you know, there, there's some stuff that you can do in there, but I mean, I, I live in North Carolina. If you ask me what I think about European tax law, like my opinion should not matter <laughs> in making any All decision right. do there. Uh, in the same <laughs> way, like what, what an enterprise company doing business with an Oracle or NetApp does like do want their business point of view on a much smaller product that, that isn't intended for them. It just wouldn't make sense.
0: Right, right, right. So, so diving deeper into the customer itself, right? When you're, when you're collecting this data, uh, we had this discussion before. All data is not important, right? You know, when you're collecting data, what data is important to collect when allowing the customer to kind of drive that? That specific role, that right. Yeah. You know, there
1: there are two uh, critical things that mm-hmm. you can't live without. First is what they said, and second is who said it. Um, if mm. if I don't have it in their words, uh, then do I really trust it? You know, if if a salesperson put their interpretation of what a sales prospect said to them. You're not gonna believe it quite as much as if you heard it for yourself straight from right. the customer. And second, you need to know who it is because of that segmentation problem. Like if um uh I don't know, we have this ongoing joke at, at user voice, for some reason we get a lot of furniture stores mm-hmm. coming to us asking to use or like mom and pop furniture stores, mm-hmm. uh you know, asking we build an enterprise product that's you know scalable for small and medium software businesses, but also really big businesses, not really built for furniture stores. Um, <laughs> if one of our salespeople is talking to someone who owns a furniture store and they're asking about feature mm. X, Y, or Z, I, I don't care. So right. I need to know right. who they are to know who they represent, like what segment they're in. So um, starting with the, what they said and who they are, then we can further annotate uh, information about who they are. And that, that data is freely available. Like Company sizes, industry, all that stuff is really useful to help you uh, separate the information a little bit more and get to what's more important for your business.
0: No, that's a great point. That's a great point. So, um, when you're thinking about improving feature request responses throughout that whole process, what are some tips that you would give? Right, if you think about uh, uh, when I when I think about improving, I'll just give my opinion. Right, first, and you can probably say Go your for name, or yeah. you can just. Or you can just, uh, you know, just say, Bobby, I don't know what you're talking about, right? You know? <laughs> uh, so when I think about improving feature request responses, right, I think about um, understanding what they're asking for, right? Mm-hmm. I think about uh, maybe giving sort of uh, uh, keeping it um, keeping it personal. So even if you're using like a, a safe reply or something like that, or, or letting them know what you're going to do with with the, uh, the responses itself, so, you know, does that all help? Do
1: you believe that helps? It, it all does. Um, you definitely want to acknowledge the fact that they took the time to provide you with some feedback and a thank you goes a long way. It means that they might do it again, if you ask in the future, uh, letting people know what they do with it. Rolling back, I think when it comes to quality of data, most people when they're providing product feedback They tend to speak Uh in solutions rather than problems. They will tell you Uh that they would like to have this report or that button over here or this feature or that function, but they won't Uh explain why. They won't explain what they're doing with it, why it would make Uh their their life easier, whether it's in business or whether it's a consumer product. Uh, Uh So I think that the more you can coach people to tell you what the real problem is, Um, what they're trying to get done that's going to help you come up with something that's even better than they might be suggesting to you in terms of solving the problem for them and and I think that's a a part of product feedback that a lot of people skip they hear all these things about what people want your product to do but they don't hear Mm -hmm. why they want the product to do that Um, so making sure that you're prompting people in the right way Usually, uh, we, we try to get feedback in pairs of questions. Like, I'll ask, uh, hey, you know, we're, we're looking at improving the reporting in our product. What reports mm-hmm. would help you? Um, cool, they'll list them for you. And then, why is that important? Or who would you show this to? Oh. Or what will you do with this report? Like, something that, that helps you um, corroborate the validity of what they said because they've taken a moment to think about, like, yeah, this would be great. If you did this for me, I could show it to my boss, and I would look like this superhero. Um, And that's going to create loyalty for you. And usually by asking that second question, people will rethink the quality of what they typed in the first section and maybe go back and change it a little bit and say, well, you know, I guess I don't really need that. This other thing would be better. And so it just improves the quality of the feedback that you get by asking a second question.
0: Now, I love that. Uh, It's funny because we get these surveys all the time, right? And the company that I work for, right? NetApp and and um, well actually even before that because I just started with NetApp but the company even before that, right? Oracle and all the vendors that I work for do the same thing, right? They send out this mass survey to everybody say so fill it out, right? they say, you know, what would help you do better with your job, right? Or, or what would, you know, what is uh, I guess an incentive? Is it, you know, is it, you know, maybe um, more vacation, right? Is it more? Is it more money or whatever it is? But also asking why, right after that, you know, is important. I I love the the ask the double question method, mm-hmm. method right? You can get so much out of just those two questions alone, right? Why this, you know, why this product or why this idea or why, and what it is, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, is is those are two two great things. You could do that almost on anything. Or right, does that, <laughs> asking why is, is another data collection mechanism right it, there.
1: It's super important. In fact, if if our world were wi- wired this way, I would prefer to start with the why, but most people are not used to answering questions that way. They'll tell you the what. Um, I even right. think about this in terms of people management. Like, when, when we hire a new employee, I want to meet with them and find out what their career goals are. And they'll tell you something like, well, I want to be a director by age 35 or i want to be responsible for this that or the other thing but if you don't ask why then it might be that that's kind of what their parents are expecting of them or that's what they think society needs but it's not really what they want where if you can get to the fact like well you know i I want to have kids one day and i want to be able to put away enough money to send them to a good school and all these things and that's what's motivating me to want this position cool if i know that your family and your salary are tied to it, is it really about that position? Um, and right. Can I potentially create an environment for you that's even happier than that like stressful position that you're asking for where there's something else that is like a, a bigger win-win? And if you know the why behind it, you can make much better decisions.
0: Man, man, that's awesome. I mean, you, that's, that's amazing because that makes me want to even take it back, I coach football Right. Mm-hmm. And, and uh, you know, they're at the stage, my oldest son, he's like 11 years old. So they're at the stage where they should be doing it on their own. Right. They should love the sport enough on their own. But then you have some parents that are like, you're going to play this. You're going to play football. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and they're not as maybe talented because they don't really care about it. Right. I'm not going to mm-hmm. put in the work. I don't really care. I just show up. You know, my parents are making me do it. But asking, OK, this is, you know, you want to play football. Right. But why? Right, and when you realize that, you know, and the kids are gonna be honest, right? They probably give the most honest answer. Kids are really honest, (laughs) know. (laughs) know? And so, you know, if you get the why, right, it seems like you can apply that why methodology to more than just, you know, surveys and and feedback and products, you can apply it everywhere. So I like that data collection mechanism, you know, Uh, you can be able to make better decisions even when you're interviewing somebody, like you said, we understand why that might give you a better, honestly, man, I didn't even think about this, Matt, but if you, if you, if you're sitting there and you're saying you're, you're interviewing somebody like you mentioned, and you said, you know, what, what do you want? Right. You know, what do you want in a better career, a better job? And then they, they tell you, right. And then you say, well, why, right. And if it is something where they're saying, you know, they care about family, they care about these things, then maybe you as a company now can provide, uh, you You can pitch more of a benefit to them mm-hmm. from the company, maybe whether it's like more vacation time, right? It's like, okay, this person yep. likes spending time with their family. That's what it's about. So let's go ahead and focus on the vacation and then maybe less focus on the money part, right?
1: Yeah. That's if amazing. I give you better work life balance, <laughs> maybe it isn't about cash flow, right? Yeah. And uh, right. I think that's the. You know, we all, we all tend to go on autopilot because there's so much stress and so much information coming our way that um, I think having worked on user voice and having worked on this specific use case of looking at product feedback to help you understand what's motivating your customer base and asking for things in their product, it does help you zoom out and think about your life as a whole <laughs> and mm-hmm. why you do the things you do, why you prioritize the way you spend your time, the people you spend your time with, your career goals, all that stuff, it creates this huge existential mess that I really wasn't expecting to get into talking to you about today, but here it is. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, yeah, yeah,
0: it does, it does, man, it does. So, okay, so when you're collecting this data, you're getting feedback from, uh, uh, for your SaaS product, right? You know, how do you get more out of it, right? How do you get more feedback from, uh, uh, for, your B2B uh, uh SaaS product itself, right? Is it is it you creating more meeting notes, right, with the interviews? Is it is it uh, uh just having more chats, right? I don't know, uh using things like discourse or Slack or something like that, you know, mm-hmm. or you know, is it I mean, is it all the above? I don't
1: know. Right. It it is all the above. Like one thing that um one thing that is true is whether you're capturing the feedback or not, it's there. Uh mm-hmm. if it's not in slack or an email or in zoom transcripts it's in people's heads etc so uh, we tr- we try to provide tools with user voice that make sure it's easy to capture wherever it is so if someone's having a conversation oh. in slack you can always like right click on it and send it to user voice oh. if a if a ticket comes into Zendesk and you know it's it's not really like a, how do i do this but it's more of a your product would be better if it did whatever make mm-hmm. sure you send that into user voice so the product team sees it Oh man. Um, To encourage that, we integrate with Slack and Teams, and at least in our organization, mm. every bit of feedback that comes in about user voice is put into a Slack channel that everyone at the company can read. Um, mm-hmm. So it, it creates this culture in the organization where everyone has eyes on the product and transparency. There's, there's no longer this notion of like, all right, the product team and engineering team, they're there in their ivory tower, And as a salesperson or as a marketer, I will take the scraps that they hand me and go sell them. That's not true. Like everyone knows what we're being asked for. Everyone knows what, what feedback is coming in. So the first is like, it's there, grab it, put it somewhere. Even if you're just using a spreadsheet or a Google doc or something like that, it's a good way to get started. Um, Mm -hmm. The second is don't be afraid to ask. Uh, I think we've, we've already talked about surveys and all that stuff, but there are plenty of companies that just, they may not be that company that's fed by a, a handful of high-paying enterprise companies, but they're okay. comfortable with a few customers. So they're the only ones that they ever talk to. And they're getting this very like, tunnel vision view of what their product is like because they feel good about talking to their favorite customer and they have a nice personal relationship with them. And they're afraid to talk to people who might be critical of them. Um, but making sure that you open yourself up this is not life and death. This is not someone accusing you of being a bad person. These are people oh. telling you how to make your product better. So being open to listen to like their criticisms, it's a product. Who cares? Like just listen and, and see if you can help them out a little bit more. Um, a lot of people get nervous about it, but once they start asking, you feel a whole lot better because you're shining a light in a place that was previously dark and you didn't know the answer before.
0: And do you see, um... Do you see a lot of companies, they want to ask for the feedback, but when they get the feedback, they don't do anything with it?
1: No, I think the more common thing we see is that um, people kind of, you know, when you go up to a swimming pool and you look at it and you're thinking, boy, that looks deep and it looks cold. There are some people uh-huh. who like jump in and they they realize yeah it's gonna be cold but it'll feel good after I'm done. Other people just uh-huh. walk away. Like they they say to themselves like if we open up this door, we're gonna hear things that we don't like. We're gonna have to respond to all of it, which is not true. Um, and they just uh-huh. back off of it. They'll say like we don't have time for this. Um, like okay, so your alternative is that you're just gonna blindly move forward and keep spending money developing a product where you kind of don't know ahead of time whether it's what people want so i think the more common use case is not that people collect it and don't do anything with it it's that they don't even start in the first place
0: all right now that's a great point man that's a excellent point so i look matt i appreciate you being on and and a lot of times as the audience know i like to end what i call a dope data nugget or a gem you know and and i want to summarize what I've learned from you today for the audience. And, you know, the way I look at it is um, society has um, had this concept of intuition, right? All the time, right? And they look at just simply knowing when something is right or wrong. You know, that's that's just what they go by, their intuition. But with with, with user voice, right, and, and tools like this and, and just understanding the feedback from the customer and the voice of the customer itself, now you can support your decisions that are out there, right? You don't have to worry about whether I just, I think that they, they enjoy, you know, as an organization, maybe they really do enjoy this, this, uh, this new team building exercise that I did out there. Well, why not just ask, why not just ask if it really is something that they like doing or is it a waste mm-hmm. of their time, right? You know, I like yeah. this, you know? <laughs> so uh, uh, I, I, really, I really enjoy you being on. Is there anything you want to leave with the audience?
1: I think you're exactly right. Like, I think more often than not, people's intuition is right, right? You're, you're working on something that you have some expertise in. So you hope that you're batting average is above 500 uh, right. in your intuition. <laughs> but if you think about corroborating that with some data, mm-hmm. you're going to sleep better at night. There are these other side effects, right? Like if you record what people have to say about this feature, then your marketing team has something that they can use without any additional research. To go sell it, to go pitch it to people, to go advertise. Your sales team can use the same right. thing. Um, there's just benefits all over the place, and so the I feel like the ROI on the time you spend to to listen just pays off in spades.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. It's all about the uh, getting getting more efficient uh, uh, with the way that you. I mean, from a marketing standpoint, right? That's a great point because you know I sit there and I look at. Uh, so many things that are wasted, right? Ads, um, um, whatever it is that's out there when they're trying to sell a product, right? They're creating all these ads, spending $1,000 of ads, but they don't know if it really is working, right? You know, by looking at the data, by looking at the feedback from the customers, they're able to actually find that out, you know? So you totally, know, thank you yeah. for that. Thank you for that, Matt. Um, as everybody knows, I like to end with a game, right? It's a fun game that I like to play with my guests. It's called Overrated Underrated. And I'm very excited to play this game with you, Matt. I have a lot of questions, right? A lot of new questions. Okay. So <laughs> I can't so wait for this. That's <laughs> what I'm looking
1: forward to the most.
0: <laughs> so uh, I'll just explain it to the audience if they if haven't they heard it before. When I play this game, right, I basically ask the guests a series of topics, right? I'll throw a series of topics out there, you know, either five to 10 topics, you know, how much time, depending on how much time we have. And the guest just gets to choose whether they believe it's overrated underrated or right where it needs to be and then you know this really lets the audience know hey guys we're not all about technology i mean we are right don't get it wrong you know don't get it twisted we we do love technology or everything about it you know matt is a, a programmer just like myself a developer so he's always probably thinking about the next greatest idea and event, innovation things like that but he does like to do normal people stuff, right? <laughs> Just like me. And so, you know, are, are you ready for uh, the questions? Hit me, I'm ready. All right, okay, the first one, we're gonna start off with something a little easy. Pizza.
1: Oh, I mean, could pizza ever be overrated? <laughs> it can't be. Like there's there's an infinite amount of pizza to be eaten in the world. And yeah. we'll all drop dead, I think, before that, that itch has been scratched completely. So pizza is, is still underrated. Okay,
0: okay. Yeah, I, I agree. Uh, um, and then they're coming out with, you know, you, you have different versions of the pizza, right? You know, you can have, you know, they're just adding new things right every time, right? Different toppings, you know, all these different things. So it's always catering towards something someone someone out there right you know so I agree completely deep dish whatever it is you got different variations you know you put
1: bread cheese tomatoes and like pick your cured meat or vegetable like you you can't Mm -hmm. go wrong with that it's always good got you you're right you're right okay avocados uh from a marketing perspective I would say (laughs) overrated because you can't get away from them but I like them so I think in, in terms of like the avocado in and of itself is just mm-hmm. fine, like it's just right. The um, Gosh, I already I already dated myself earlier in the podcast, so I can, I can say this <laughs> fear. We've gone through several periods where like, for a while there, everything had baking soda in it and baking soda uh-huh. was supposed to make toothpaste better and cleaners better and all that stuff. Uh, And now I feel like every food item you get, like it's got a few slices of avocado on it just to make it. Yeah, (laughs) I think, you know, Okay, cool. It's just going to get displaced by something else sometime soon. But I Mm -hmm. like avocados. They're fine.
0: Yeah. You know, for me, avocados are are cool. You know, I don't think I've ever said, hey, I want avocados. Right. You know, I I never said, hey, I want it guacamole right I, I for some reason I just never unless it's seizing seasoned, seasoned properly right for me it has to uh, be seasoned a certain way now I I know that when I was going through this whole uh, diet program with a personal trainer you know when trying to eat right and they had me on high protein diet and all the good stuff and they said hey you have to get an avocado you know and cut it in half and you have to eat it you know once a day and I was like oh crap man i why do I have to get an avocado like, can I just get some guacamole that has like some, some tomato <laughs> salsa awesome. in there. So, so, you know, and so what I do is I, I'll, I'll cut the avocado in half and then I, I'll add like you know maybe some salt and pepper to it right with some some uh, uh season like missus dash or something that doesn't have a bunch of sugar in it and it makes it taste better for me but you know i don't know I, maybe it's just right where it needs to be you know
1: overrated yeah. for me i don't know <laughs> avocados in and of the, like by themselves they're bland but i think the reason people like them is that they they adapt well to their environment whether it's Guacamole, mm. or on a burger, or something like that. It can, it can, it's like butter. Like, are you gonna eat yeah, butter? When yeah, <laughs> you're not. Um, but adding avocado to something like it's okay. I, when I was younger, I hated them, I wouldn't eat guacamole, I wouldn't eat avocados. Um, that's one of those yeah. places where like your taste develops as you get older. I think
0: I agree. I agree. All right, the Titanic movie.
1: Oh gosh. <sighs> If you'd asked me when it came out, uh, all right, we're gonna go off on a little bit of a tangent. That uh-huh, movie uh-huh. was all over the place when it came out. Like everyone had to go see it. It was good. Yeah. Like it was, it was spectacular, fun to watch, all that stuff. The reason that this is interesting is the song, the Celine Dion uh-huh, yeah. <laughs> "My Heart Will Go On" song, which is yeah. all over the place. Um, I have a I have a second job. I DJ in a club. I've been doing this for almost oh, nice. at this point. The remix of the Titanic song would fill the dance floor with people singing that song at the top of their lungs. So every time I think of Titanic, oh, movie, that's what I think of. And just a couple months ago, I decided to dust that remix off and play it. And still for a generation uh-huh. that like, you know, this club has like 18 to 21 plus people in it. They still know all the words. It was crazy. Uh, oh the, man. Movie is, the movie itself, I don't think it's held up really well over time. So I'm going to say overrated. But at the time, yeah. it was appropriately rated.
0: Yeah, yeah, and no, I agree. I think the first time that I saw it, I was like, "Wow, this is a good movie." And I'm a, I'm a big Leonardo DiCaprio fan, mm-hmm. right? So I think that's what really got me as well. And then over time, I'm, I i do not know if I've ever gone back to watch it after like once, you know, the first, like the whole movie. Right, because this yeah. is a long movie, right? And, and I think I've gone back, probably I've watched bits and pieces of it along the time, right? It's one of those movies where I could start in the middle and just continue to watch it, or I might watch it towards the end. Like, okay, oh, it's great. But the song, I didn't even think about the song and how the song actually, I think, helps the movie continue to live on quite a right? bit. Past the oh, time.
1: It helps its heart go
0: on. Great, great point, great point, great point. Uh, uh,
1: by the way, when it comes to Leonardo DiCaprio, I really like him too, but I, he's like Keanu Reeves to me. I like him as, yeah. as an adult actor more, like as he uh-huh. does more and more stuff. He's no longer like this young, you know, he, was, he wasn't a teenager, I don't think, in, in Titanic, but like young actor. He, he had chops mm-hmm. in the end that like grew and his later movies are even better.
0: Yeah, yeah. Oh, absolutely. I mean, now he's really, you know, definitely good. If I went back and looked at his younger time, I mean, he, you know, he, he's, he's definitely improved over time in my eyes, you know? Mm-hmm. All right. Taco Bell. Oh gosh. I'm <laughs> going to say,
1: I'm going to say overrated and here's why I went uh-huh. to Taco Bell for the first time in a while, uh, probably three weeks ago. The prices have gone through the roof. Taco Bell used to be the place where you could get like 72 tacos for 10 bucks and eat your fill. And now like, but I I got a quesadilla and a taco and a drink and it was like a little over $10. Yeah. (laughs) Um, For for $10, I could go to any one of like the actual Mexican places around here. Yeah, real tacos. Much, (laughs) much better. Uh, So yeah, no, overrated. Previously, I would have said
0: underrated, yeah. but now, uh-uh. Yeah, yeah, I agree. I agree. You know, I I've, I went to Taco Bell the same, you know, probably about two weeks ago, and I haven't, I did not go to Taco Bell for a long time before that, right? I would go to different Mexican restaurants, you know, uh, You know, eat authentic tacos, you know, great mm-hmm. travel places, and eat the authentic tacos is amazing, right? And so I, I said, hey, why would I go to Taco Bell? I've been to all these other places that give me these real authentic tacos, you know, and then I feel like Taco Bell has is, you know, I think I went on a rant the other day about it uh, after I actually tried it and after several years. And and I just think that they're all over the place, right? They could really hone in on yeah. making some really great tacos, but now they're just like, let me give you all these different things and these options, you know, and and
1: <laughs> and not even specialize and focus on the tacos. <laughs> yeah, and it's got it's There are are great tacos to be had in a lot of places now. So I don't need Taco Bell to be the best taco I've ever had. But I want it to be like the guilty pleasure itch to scratch. But even that, it wasn't satisfying. Um, Mm -hmm. I think the difference between like a burger at a sit-down restaurant or one that you make yourself versus going to Wendy's or something like – or Five Guys, there's room for both of those because they're different things. But Taco Bell, I don't know. It sunk sunk below. (laughs) Man, you
0: (laughs) – they need user voice, man. They need user voice, right?
1: <laughs> um, <laughs> I kind of fear to know. Um, we, we have a, a great many customers, and some of them are in very interesting industries that you might be able mm-hmm. to guess by my caginess about it, and reading some of the yeah. feedback that you get about certain products is interesting. I, I'd love to read what the universe has to say about Taco Bell. Uh-huh. <laughs> All right. Libraries. Oh, gosh. Uh <sighs> certainly underrated um i'm a big fan of reading i'm a big fan of books i feel like most people don't have the attention span anymore to read any long format either novels or nonfiction. Um, mm-hmm. and i wish people would do that more i also like the notion of libraries as a less stimulating environment for mm-hmm. most people to actually find a little bit of peace because even if you go to a coffee shop these days, it's like bustling and loud, and I feel like a library is one of the few places you can go to where it's not socially acceptable to be on your phone making noise, or like even the the bleed coming out of your headphones while you're listening to music would be fine. Right, right. I'm a fan of All quiet, right. and I'm a fan of books, so more libraries, please.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I, I like I like books. I don't know if I'm. I haven't been to a library in like years, man. I don't know. I mean, my kids. I took them to a library before. I pick out a book, you know, because that was sort of what my parents did, right? I you do. know, you just yeah. feel like, you know, it was it was the right thing to do, I guess, you know. But I I'll go to like a, a Barnes Noble, right, or Books a Million, or something like that. It's more of a cool environment or laid back mm-hmm. environment for me to sit in. Uh, when you're when you're around that area, right? There's a little bit more noise than you would except in a library, right? You know, and yeah. so I do get that, you know, and uh
1: a Barnes and Noble would be okay too, because it's not it's not a circus in a Barnes and Noble. Right. It's it's right. still quiet. So yeah, I think Barnes and Nobles for a while were like the modern library. Um mm-hmm. yeah, it's a dying breed. They're not gonna be around for a long time, I don't think.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. And you know, I'm surprised the libraries are still around. You know, I, right
1: now. I agree. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, you can I, mean, I can give my the kids internet, all man. these books. Yeah, I know.
0: I, You know, I'm. I, my son, he's listens to audio books, right? Harry, Pot- Harry Potter auto- audio books, or you can get it from Amazon if you want a real book, right? You know, mm-hmm. in your hand, right? Uh, hardcover. So, uh, yeah. All right. Radio.
1: Mm. Dead. It's been, uh, replaced, <laughs> it's been replaced by something better. Uh-huh. I mean I, I think there there is one exception to that. I do like talk radio still. Um yeah. the NPR or something like that. That's that's interesting and it's like this always on stream of stuff, but that's no not really different from like a cable news channel. Uh, yeah. Just when you're in a car, right? You could you could listen to yeah. stuff for that. Really. I was I've never been a radio fan in my life because I'm kind of a control freak about the music that I listen uh-huh. to. I want to pick <laughs> what I listen to. So yeah, I, I, don't, need, I don't need music. But it, it was at one point, right? I mean,
0: that it was at one point where we weren't able to choose what we wanted
1: because he had where to. Where he would hear the radio, so, <laughs> Yeah. yeah. Uh, but even then, like, uh, at, at a young age, I was buying records and, and tapes and CDs. Oh, ah, yeah,
0: yeah. Oh, yeah, you can, I guess, you you know, you're a DJ, so you were yeah. like, I really need to listen to what I want to listen to, right, you know?
1: I, I still can't give it up in my house. I still have, like, you know, several thousand CDs just in storage, which I don't know why I'm hanging on to, but... Hey,
0: maybe may be worth something one day, you know? Who knows? <laughs> All right, two more, okay? Well, maybe three more. Bacon.
1: I'm going to rock the boat here. <laughs> bacon got too popular.
0: Oh, because <laughs> of it, I think,
1: I think I would now call it overrated. Uh, it's like avocado. It's on everything and it's everywhere. And it's uh, what used to be like, oh, interesting. They threw a strip of bacon on this food that I wouldn't expect it on. Is mm-hmm. now on everything. And I, uh, I'm ready for something new. Yeah, yeah, I don't
0: like bacon on things, right?
1: Actually, it's like just I'll, bacon.
0: Yeah, just give me bacon. And it has to be crispy, right? It has to be crispy bacon. I don't like the non-crispy bacon. That's yeah,
1: what's, what's the right level of doneness for you on bacon? Would you go you know, on the on the spectrum of disgusting grease pile to burnt to a crisp? Yeah, where do you, probably. Where do you land? Uh, I would probably. I, I, I enjoy
0: more of the burnt to a crisp type of bacon. Maybe a little bit less. Right, or less you know, like stiff
1: I, and dry, yeah. Your, your, yeah, but right. I don't want to, chew. Right,
0: I don't like thick cut, right? You can't chew forever, right? I don't like that, so right. it has to be thin, yeah.
1: I go for the um, I like my bacon in the state where if you did it any more, it would hold itself up, but it's not uh-huh. like it's still gonna, like, if you hold it in your hand, it's still gonna like fall down a little bit, uh huh. <laughs> all right, all right uh new year's eve i love new year's eve uh i love new year's eve and i love thanksgiving and fourth of july and memorial day because they are not steeped in having to buy gifts and think about all this other stuff Ah, like great point new year's eve like go be with your friends have some drinks thanksgiving sit with your Mm -hmm. family eat a lot of food i i like those kind of holidays so
0: yeah
1: uh That's a great point. I didn't think about it like
0: that. You know, how they're not wrapped around money
1: making, right? They're like no stress holidays. Um, Working working in a club like I do, New Year's is the second busiest night of the year behind Halloween. So I could do without like the overcrowded businesses Mm -hmm. to celebrate New Year's Eve. But if you're, you know, with your friends at a nice place, like it can't be that. Okay, all right. Last one, summertime bring it underrated. If it was summer all year, I'd be happy. I'm a warm Man, I'm with
0: you, man. I'm with you. If I could move to a warm weather location where it's warm all the time, I mean, I would do it, right? California, I would, I would do it, you know, because every time I go out to California, it's just, I'm very jealous of the weather there. I hate the traffic, but I love the weather. Yeah. And I'm willing to take the traffic sometimes and work at home maybe all the time <laughs> if I could <laughs> yeah. deal with the weather, right? <laughs>
1: Yeah, nice. Yeah. Nice weather is uh, it affects my mood strongly. Um, the cold. I, I grew up in the Northeast, so like snow was common. And, and oh, man. now that I get to choose where I want to live, I'm I'm going warm all the all day. Man, man. Well,
0: thank you, Matt. Again, I appreciate it. You know, and audience, thank you for listening to Data is My Sign podcast. It's sort it of makes day your passion. I am your host, Dapper Data. Where can they reach you at Matt? And is there anything that you are promoting now?
1: Oh yeah, uh, well, UserVoice.com. Our company, uh, we have a couple of products there that you can go look at. Uh, we publish a lot of content that should be generally helpful for product managers on our blog. We try to do that like in a very non-salesy, like really help people. Um, if I can help any of you personally, my email address is Matt at UserVoice.com, or you can find me on LinkedIn by searching Matt Young, UserVoice. Um, I am not a salesperson, I'm an engineer. So yeah. <laughs> uh, if you're interested in talking about data or uh, you know we're doing a four-day workweek experiment at user voice, any of that stuff. Um, talking with people is a, a mechanism of getting feedback. And the more I learn, the more people I talk to, the better. So if I can help you and a conversation would be worthwhile, let me know. All right, great, great, Matt. Well,
0: thank you again. I appreciate it. And audience, you know, you can always reach me at Mr. Dapper Data on any one of the social media platforms. Uh, if you search for me on YouTube or any of the podcast platforms that you listen to Dapper Data or Data is My Science podcast, definitely make sure that you follow me. Definitely make sure that you uh, you like. If you like it, it, then definitely do it. If you don't like it, then uh, just just click away, don't even give feedback, you know. <laughs> <laughs> no, you're supposed to you're supposed to ask to find out why. Come on. <laughs> we do want to know the why. We want to know the why, you know, like Mike said. Like Matt, Matt said. So thank you again, Matt. I appreciate it. You know, and audience, I'll see you next time. Love you. Peace.
1: Thank you for listening to the Data Is My Science
0: Podcast, the show that makes data your passion. With your host, Dapper Data.